Morning Project Presents. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Generic Video Game Podcast. Molly and I are about to embark on episode 35 and discuss how 2019 has been treating us so far. More specifically, how Japanese developed games are a breath of fresh air in 2019. What's old is new again. And whether or not we'll be spending our hard earned cash on Alita Battle Angel this week. Please enjoy the next hour of audio magic and thanks for staying along for the ride. How have you been doing, Molly? We're, we're going to spend the next hour explaining、um, the Kingdom Hearts story. And this is actually part <laughs> one of eight podcasts we'll be doing、uh, to do that. Uh. Uh, it, you know, it's、mm. funny because my coworker.、Um, She actually ended up writing, like, a, I think a four or five part thing about explaining the story of Kingdom Hearts <laughs> and up to get you caught up for, like, the part three. Right. And it's just, it's, I don't know, like, I, I mean, I didn't mean to jump into this right away, but it's just, it's just so funny to me、um, that there, there's been this conversation going on, on online about people saying, like, Well, they don't understand what's gone on in three, and it's been X many years, what, 13 years since the last Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2, you know? Yeah. And then people are like, but there's been like all these other games in between that you have to play, and it's just like, can, can you, I mean, just, I don't know, I'm trying, think, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like, can you just imagine any other series where they tell you, okay, if you want to go from part two to part three, You have to play at least eight other games to understand that. that right. It's, it's, it's silly. I mean, there's a few ways we can break this down without dissecting it all for listeners. You know, everything from there have been some online videos, there was a patch for the game, which gives like a background、uh, for Kingdom Hearts fans if they've been following with the HD re releases in recent years, 1525 compilation packs, <laughs> the story so far on PS4. There's a few ways to skin that cat.、Uh, the short answer is yes, it is a bit ridiculous in that time frame of the 13 year gap. There's been at least eight or nine entries, ranging everything from GBA to browser, Japan exclusive, mobile phone,、uh, you know, PS3, PS4.、Uh, it, it's, it, is, it, it is kind of wacky. The, the best thing I, I can say about it. And I'm stealing this from Johnny Millennium of Happy Console Gamer.、Mm-hmm. You know, I think he might have put it the best. He said the best way for him to go into it, and he, he is someone who has played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2.、Uh, he didn't play a lot of the in between. The best way for him to mentally wrap his head around it in 3 and, and to be satisfied and enjoy the game is he said the story boils down to good versus evil. <laughs> so if you kind of look at it in that primitive, You know, which kind of works with, you know, Disney and, and、uh, you know, good versus bad. I think that really is the best way to look at it and to not go into the game fearing, you know, what am I missing out on or what's going on. And like I said, Square has done their best to,、uh, to give that background information to everyone. But have they? Have, have they really? I, well, I mean. Done their best? Well, if you have, like, I guess, I guess if you're saying it. 
I'm going to assume your vantage point is if you only buy Kingdom Hearts 3, you don't have any of the HD. Like, if you have nothing prior to 3, I believe there is something in game. While I haven't looked at that aspect due to the recent the patch, it will do its best to bring you up to speed. I mean, I just, like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, on one hand, I can respect the fact that they they seem to not care about leaving anybody behind and and saying look we're gonna you have to know all this story to come into this game but it's just it's it's so ballsy in both a good and bad way in this day and age to make such a big game a game that has such a budget behind it and so much you know push and everything that alienates so many potential players like I mean, the story might not be as complicated as I think it is. I I bet you it is, but just because of what I know and what I've heard, like I would never even think about playing Kingdom Hearts three. But uh, so I, so why why not make a game like I mean, a Red Dead Redemption two, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of storyline connections and that. I'm sure there's a lot of references and things like that. But I feel pretty confident I could pick up that game and play it and know what's going on and get joy out of that. Like, Uncharted 4 is probably the same thing. The next Gears, I'm sure, is going to be the same thing. There's, like, so many other games out there where you can go in... I mean, I went in fresh to Yakuza 6, which, you know, how many games is that after in the timeline? But it was still created in a way that even if I didn't know all that history, I really wouldn't feel like I was that left out. Well, on the KH3 question, uh, I'll say that Square was kind of between a rock and a hard spot, and they kind of had to do what they had to do, but but I'm going to say two things on this. If they didn't do all of the in-between, going from two to three obviously wouldn't have been as bad. They wouldn't have been able to cash cow it the last decade. Simultaneously, I believe Kingdom Hearts 3 is the end of the first story arc or as a trilogy. So I don't I don't know if I would consider this a spoiler, but you know this isn't the end of Kingdom Hearts, and it's not it's not like uh, something happens where everything is over at the end of this. It does leave it open for sequels, but the thing is, is that when the next Kingdom Hearts occurs, it should be not a start from complete scratch, but the start of a completely new story arc. So where they're between the rock and the hard spot is. First Kingdom Hearts was 02, second one was 05. This wraps up the quote trilogy, but it took 13 years. And how many games? Like I mean, this is Oh, it's I mean without fair, me looking know. at I mean, we you're talking like how many in between? Yeah. Um I looked this up. Because uh, it's not really a trilogy. Well, uh, looking at it from the perspective of everything else is in between or a prequel or whatever, but you you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like I said, Kingdom Hearts was 02. I'll rapid fire this so it doesn't take the whole hour. I'm just going to do the year and the name of the game. We've got 04, Chain of Memories, 05, Kingdom Hearts 2, 07, RE, Chain of Memories, 08, Coded, 09, I believe it's 358 over two days or in two days, Birth by Sleep in 2010, uh, as well as Recoded. 2012 is Dream Drop Distance. 2013 is one reissued as One and a Half Remix. Then there was one called what I thought was pronounced uh, 
X, but I think it's pronounced cross. I think Chi, or G, believe yeah. it or not, which Something I like think that. yeah. And then there's like two point five remix and fourteen Unchained. Uh, maybe that's the Chi one. I think the browser based one. Twenty seventeen two two point eight final chapter prologue and Kingdom Hearts three. So whether it be re release or not, between two and three, there have been. Yeah, like uh, no less than 10, 10 uh, skews with Kingdom Hearts name on it. So, I mean, they did that to themselves. And you but, I mean, you like, know. but think about the fact that, you know, this is a series that is banking heavily on Disney. Yes. Which would make you think they would want as many more casual players as possible. Like, yes. why do you just... I mean, you know, if you were to make all those side games, that's fine. That's one... You know, do do whatever you want. But I really think if I were them, I would have made a Kingdom Hearts 3 that doesn't connect to any of that stuff and has kind of the Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, 3, th- you know, through line, fine. But make a game that is just less intimidating to jump into for your casual players. Because I said, you've got Disney characters. I mean, this should be something that you want, you know, millions and millions of, of people, especially young kids. It's so funny because I remember, since you had the list there, what, what year was the first Kingdom Hearts? When, when year did that come out? Oh, two. Okay. So, yeah, that, that game. So, I, I remember when I went to Japan and did my first um, homestay over there, I remember my host sister playing Kingdom Hearts. And I had never really seen it and didn't know much about it. This was 2002, so that's, yeah, that's timing. And she was, like, super hardcore into that game. And that's kind of what I think about is, like, the, these younger players who who maybe didn't know even Final Fantasy, don't know, you know, it's Square Enix, but they know Disney, and they know RPGs, and it's, oh my god, I can play this RPG where I go to all these Disney worlds. Like, that's what I think of as your player, and I just, like, how can you have a kid play this game with said so just I've seen some of the cutscenes and just all this nonsense that seems, you know, incomprehensible to anybody who hasn't played all those games. Like you should want it to be a game that a kid can pick up and, you know, it needs one paragraph to connect to the previous two games. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 with you on that. And look, I'm not the one that came up with the story. You know, obviously, like I said, I believe it was a trilogy arc. What I will say right out of the gate, the first problem with all of this, and this is on you know Square, has nothing to do with Kingdom Hearts one, two, or three. All of the in between stuff. While I love to joke about it and I get a laugh and I love talking about it to other people, making fun of the names, you know, some of them are funny, you know, quirky because it, it's, you know, it's it's just how the Japanese naming is sometimes and I get a kick out of it. But looking at it, you know, from afar and based in, you know, okay, all jokes aside, the naming of 75% of those in-between entries is terrible. I mean, it's, it's just nonsense. It's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, like, if you didn't have a Wikipedia list or whatever there, like, I dare you to tell me which game came in what order in the story, you know? I mean, who said, whether whether someone is a master of the English language or, like, a cultural difference, whatever it is, I mean, you can't tell me. I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. It makes less sense than getting from Street Fighter 2 to Street Fighter 3 with, yeah. you know, turbo champion you know alpha i mean somehow that makes more sense than uh, you know no it, it's 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 the epitome of 
the Jap, you know, Japan's love for these completely ridiculous subtitles on games that mean nothing. I mean, just your your <laughs> fact of saying like like X, right? The right. fact that you don't know how to pronounce that, and and how many different ways have there been in games to pronounce like just a regular X? Right. You know, is it because it's always like, okay, is it cross? Is yeah, it X? Yep. Is it a versus? Is it you know some other pronunciation? I mean, the only thing I can say on the on the positive side is the reviews have still been favorable, and it has shipped five million copies, the fastest selling entry in the series so far, which you know Square needed. <clears throat> Square need. I think when I say Square needed that shot in the arm, Square as a company, due to their Western acquisition in recent years, has actually been doing pretty good. I think the Japanese division of Square needed that, uh, with the rocky road of uh, FF. Versus 13 becoming 15, the slow start to FF14, uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, finally releasing and having some success. I think they needed that morale boost. I think they needed that booster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, like I said, like, I mean, and, and it, it's just hard for me because I'm not a Kingdom Hearts fan. So there is some level of, well, then I should not stick my nose in where it doesn't belong, you know. But, I just kind of wish that Kingdom Hearts was a series that could be for everybody, and it just does not seem like it can be. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so funny because the exact same time we get Kingdom Hearts 3, we get Resident Evil 2, which is such the opposite end of the spectrum in a game that you don't need to know anything about Resident Evil about, and you can jump in and still have fun. And I've been seeing, you know, streams or, or clips or whatever of all these people who have this is their first RE game and just mm-hmm. seeing the kind of joy they're getting from it and and just how good of a job Capcom did on making something that can both please fans but also be, you know, universally appealed to 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 new players and old alike. Yeah, you you said it. Resident Evil 2 does the near impossible. How do you take a game that was beloved, a great entry in the series that people played approximately 21 years ago, how do you take that, satisfy fans of old, and bring it into a new era in 2019, especially with a game like Resident Evil, which has a division of classic-style players, whether it be with tank controls or the remastered ones uh, that originally hit GameCube, or you have kind of the rebirth of the series in RE4, you know, how do you then take that and perfect that into this classic uh, based Resident Evil entry? And I would say my short version is Resident Evil 2 doesn't shock me as much as Resident Evil 4 did in terms of surprise, like in terms of just not knowing what was around the corner or I right. couldn't believe at the time what the hell like I when I say what the hell was going on, not that I didn't understand, like I just couldn't believe how phenomenal that game was at the time. But uh, you know, if you're a numbers person and I gotta put a number on it, both games get a 10, but for different reasons. Resident Evil 2, while it doesn't do what Resident Evil 4 did for the time, Resident Evil 2 gives you the best classic style resident evil you could ever want with phenomenal updated visuals with that re engine and gameplay that has been modified enough to be more satisfying to play yet maintain the tension 
uh, of the classic Resident Evil. So while it's different from 4, and it should be, I feel it reaches the height of Resident Evil 4, but for different reasons. Uh, you know, I said in my review that, to me, it was the first Resident, real Resident Evil game ever, which I know is a big statement, but like this truly felt to me, you know, as somebody who's been with the series since the original came out, I remember playing it and not knowing what to expect. You know, I got to, to go into the, the series with completely fresh eyes. Um, this game just feels like what your brain always thought you were playing in those old days. Yes. You know, when you played the first game, second game, third game, like this was the game that, that your younger mind imagined when you thought about it. And it, it just, it's like, it's funny. It's so funny that coming off of Resident Evil 7, which I hated, and I was so worried about the direction of the series at that point, you know, I was like, someone like me who likes some more classic style stuff, like, is that now completely gone? Is it going to be just this this first person, more modern kind of stuff at this point, you know? And then to have this game that is just like a love letter to everything that is like real, true, old school Resident Evil. It's it's just, it's so good. It's so good. And you know, I I just was shocked by like how well it all works and. It just makes me now, you know, there's rumors that, well, a little bit more than rumor, but it, it seems a little more solid that they are for sure doing Resident Evil 3 remake, mm-hmm. and then potentially Code Veronica, and... Oh, I didn't know that part. It's like, give me those, and you know what? Remake one as well, at this point. Like, because I want everything in this style. Like, I, 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 this is so good that I want to go back and play all of those original ideas, like the way they were meant to be played. It's so good. It's so good. I can't get over how good it is. I mean, it's 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 to the point where since beating it, all I wanted to do was just go back and play it again. Like I don't want to play anything else. I just want to go back and play another, you know, go another loop through Resident Evil 2. It's just it's just phenomenal. And um in a few days we're getting the the DLC expansion, which is exciting. Which which uh, expansion? I haven't kept. I so didn't realize we were getting I, it so so soon. I'm pretty sure it's called the Ghost Survivors. It's a free, oh, yeah, it's a free okay. download, and you're gonna play as. I I don't remember if it's USC is it USC or USS, the kind of like the the hunk style kind of like oh, okay umbrella security whatever. Um, okay. One of one of those other soldiers, you get to play as uh, Kendo from Kendo's Gun Shop, and you get to play. Is her name like Jessica? She's the mayor's daughter. She's, um, if you've played, and there was a certain part where there's a girl laying on a table, that's that's who she is. So we're going to kind of see, and they're supposedly more like kind of what-if stories and not necessarily canon, but you're going to oh, play... Oh, you're actually going through like from their perspective? Yes, you're, you're playing oh. these three different side stories from their perspectives. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought this was going to be like one of those survival type uh, shoot em up. No, and uh, that's, that's that's the weird thing is that like, I mean, that's also been supposedly rumored, so that might still be coming as well. Right. But because there was some talk about like um, more like randomized rogue style elements, and so we people don't know if that means these three side stories are going to have kind of changeable elements or if there's also hopefully kind of like the mercenaries mode coming down the road that's yeah that's what it was yeah Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say the only other thing I can add if, you know, to continue gushing about it is I would say, and this was the term I was coming up with because I had this conversation with Neil the other day. I wish I'd have just recorded it and inserted it in. Uh, by the way, his his thoughts are almost exactly like yours in that um, he continually wants to go through it and has been, and he's on at least, the last week I talked, he's on his fifth run-through, <laughs> legitimately. Mm-hmm. And I felt Resident Evil 2, well, it does. I'm going to say, okay, the, probably the boldest statement I could make, and I'm not trying to create an argument with today's games versus yesterday games. I need to make something very clear. There's a lot of stuff that I've gotten spoiled with by today's technology, so, and I know if it was taken away, I would eat these words. So I, I need to make it very clear I have a respect for the tech that's out there today, and there are many great games this day and age. Uh, and without getting into the entirety of the conversation I had with Neil, you know, I said Resident Evil 2 proves that in an online-centric MMO-style battle royale, you know, type gameplay environment in 2019, that if you put out a great game even if only single player with great content that people want, that's a complete packaged product f- mixed with a game from 20 years ago, which while modified, once again proves that one, games were better during that era and people will still spend the money on a great game, a single player game playing experience. I think sometimes when companies look at sales that look poor or they try to hit that bullet point on the back of the box for something that has, you know, strong online elements. Um, you know, I think you forget the obvious that you have to, you, if you make a great game, people will buy it. I mean, it, it's, yeah, to that point, it's so funny that we were at that period of time when so many companies were saying, you know, single player's dead, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's dead and gone. Everything has to have an online mode of some kind. Everything has to have a multiplayer. And yet, in the past year two years if you want to extend it that far we've had things like near automata yep I, we've yes. had hellblade neo sonic mania um uh persona 5 god of war spider-man horizon zero dawn whatever you think of it kingdom hearts 3 resident evil 2 there have just been you, you know what they all have in common what they're great games. <laughs> they're great, yes. No, I'm serious. No. Look, I'm, no, not, no. I'm not saying they're all tens, but they're all great. You know, they're not, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot for the most part or try to adhere to six checkboxes, which didn't really fit the original vision of the title. Thus, people didn't, you know, causing people not to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Red, Red Dead Redemption 2, of course. I mean, I mean that has an online Obviously, skill, in the way, yeah, I mean, that's, that, well, that's got every. I mean, yeah. good lord, that's everything. But yeah, but, that's still... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. when you say they're good games, yeah, they're, they're games where you can tell they were made by people who didn't believe the lie that single player was dead. And and it, it like you're saying, it, it just points to, if you just put the effort into making a really good single player game, the players are out there. Like, all of these games have done fantastically. You know, a game like Nier Automata has done way, way better than anybody expected it to do. You know, it's it's just like, single player absolutely still exists. 
the players for single player absolutely still exist. It's just you have to put effort in, which is not, we what we haven't been seeing from some other companies. I I'm going to go a little. I'm going to take this down another path here momentarily. But my my last uh, quote for the back of the box per se, I would also say that Resident Evil Two is the best mainstream AAA horror franchise excluding indie work since The Last of Us. Yeah. So I and and Resident Evil 2 also proves that Capcom didn't need to um react to something like the like Capcom didn't need to forget their roots of what they knew or what they accomplished then and try to do to force a series into something it shouldn't have done. Uh, on a side note, just to reiterate, if people haven't listened to the podcast in the past, I want to make very clear I thought the original Last of Us was a masterpiece, and I would give that a 10. I thought that moved the horror genre in the direction that it couldn't figure out where to go since the likes of Resident Evil and the you know glory days of Silent Hill. I thought The Last of Us picked up that baton with phenomenal voice acting. I am not really a story guy. Uh, I'm also not really a person that likes to have... Uh, control of a couple characters simultaneously in a single player experience that's usually a kiss of death for me last of us bucked all of that uh but but that was summer of 2013 and i would say since then excluding stuff like outlast or other indie type uh projects um or the with the kojima demo that got pulled i can't even think of the name of it right now the pt resident evil 2 is the by you know the best mainstream horror experience in the last half decade it's yeah. it's phenomenal yeah i i mean I, I i give some credit to um the evil within two which which oh, surprised I'm me so, because yeah. i hated the first one well i didn't hate the first one i thought it was just i just thought it was kind of a, a huge mess but um yeah and, and like that game too is like an example of of if you just put some care and attention into making your game you can make something good might not always sell well but you can make something good are you surprised i'm gonna get weird now are you surprised that i'm not i'm gonna really stereotype and i'm really gonna shoot myself in the foot and i'm gonna exclude sports titles because i think there's a different demographic for sports titles i'm just gonna say it are you surprised that online focused games are so huge when there are so many gamers that are introverted or keep to themselves in that okay so we'll talk about myself i like playing overwatch which i mm-hmm. haven't played in ages i like that's an online based game i think overwatch is awesome there have been other exceptions in the past i used to, i did a little bit of street fighter online in the past there's exceptions but at the end of the day i don't know about you after sometimes when i get off work I get situated when I'm done for the night. I sit down, play a game. I don't always want to play with somebody else. I don't want anyone to bother me. Do yeah. not bother me. Do, you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Do, I mean, do, do you under, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if, if the single player experience were to go away, that would kill me. Yeah. I mean, I guess like for me, it's interesting because like one of the biggest games I've played lately is Fortnite. Um, You're the devil. I know, I know. I'm I'm a I'm a 12 year old. Um, but just because I like 
my thing is just like I love single player games, but there's like X amount of time you have to commit to them. You know, like if I want to play Resident Evil 2, you know, 20 minutes might not get me much. You know, if I want to play Kingdom Hearts 3, God knows what 20 minutes will get me. You know, if you want to play other games, like 20 minutes isn't going to get you very much. You know, but 20 minutes in Fortnite might get me, you know, one or two complete games. And I can just sit there and kind of not, you know, really think about things and just kind of relax. And and so that's kind of where I, on the other hand, do enjoy multiplayer games. Um but depending on how you come in it, like, you know, when I played World of Warcraft, I played that completely solo, which a lot of people don't typically tend to do. So I think there are certain experiences that you can solo on your own, or, you know, I don't know, like, I, I said single player is weird for me, because I, I, I understand your question um, in terms of, you know, a lot of us being introverts, but I, at the same time, like, there is something to be said for... I just want something I can play for a little bit and not have to make a huge commitment to. Well, it's funny you say this because I kind of have not a counter to you, but I can relate in a, w- relate in a way, and I can tell you this is just a changing of the times. What you're explaining, and you too, because we're a similar age, um, that experience you're describing, you and I had, or and I loved in the 80s and 90s via arcade games or Sega arcade ports at home or fighting games Mm -hmm. so that's how i treated i don't know whether it be street fighter uh daytona usa sega rally virtual fighter all you know the list goes on and on those are the games that i could put in for five ten minutes get a couple matches in do a couple laps you know we're not talking i'm not not talking gran turismo right where you know uh, you got to sit there 18 hours <laughs> right so do a couple laps I'm done shut it off go out that a lot of that I don't want to say I, it'd be lying cuz as soon as I say if I say that's missing that's not true cuz people are going to message and say well you have the classics on the store all the neo geo classics so that those are readily available but you understand what I'm saying yeah. those were the games you paid 50 60 bucks for brought them home those were your time killers so right now, for you know those, I do I do respect that, and Overwatch is an example too. Those are the games where you can get a couple matches in, shut it, and leave. But at the same time, like I understand, I understand in terms of like you know, because a big game that's just come out as we're recording this is Apex Legends, and I've been playing that a lot in the past few days, and I'm actually liking it a lot more than I thought I would. But you know, I kind of come at it as I just want to kind of just have fun with it but there are some people who take it very very seriously and so there is something to be said about the fact that you can get in a situation where you just want to kind of relax and spend a little time with the game but then if you try to play anything that involves other people playing together with you towards a certain goal that they can make that not be relaxing time you know because of their attitude or what they're saying or their expectations on you and in that case, I, I that's kind of why I have gravitated towards Fortnite, just because I can jump in solo and then not have anybody counting on me if I need to just quit the game or walk away into something else, you know, or just not have that pressure. And and so I think that's, for me, kind of where multiplayer breaks down a bit, 
in in terms of if you get just the wrong people on your team or whatever however it works and they are coming at it from a completely different um mindset like they want to be mindset and and pro player their goals are very different than yours and for those that don't know, because I sure as hell didn't know up until a couple of days ago, Apex is a game published by EA but devved by the Titanfall team. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, nobody knew this game existed yeah, well, until because, Monday. Well, so someone had to educate me. I guess it was kind of a stealth release; it had been hinted about, and then they dropped it. This yeah, past no, week. literally, it's like we're announcing this game, and 15 minutes from now, it's coming out. <laughs> like rumors hit the day or so before, but yeah, uh-huh. it was. It was literally a the exact same day it was revealed, it was released. I don't know why I'm asking this. I guess it's because you're also the uh, Western aficionado these days. Did you try the Anthem? Okay, uh, so... <laughs> I watched the video online. I had, no inter- I had no personal interest in it. I watched videos online, but I'm curious what your take on it was. I, I, that- I got as far as getting into my robot, and then the game just never loaded it just kept loading and loading and loading and nothing ever happened and i gave up but the the funniest experience to me and and anybody who tried it will know what i'm talking about um you you load into the game you load into like the the starting area and right away there's an npc standing about 10 feet from you and you can see whichever platform you're playing on i was on ps4 so i think it was the the x button and it said x to talk right Right. So I walk up to the, walk up to the NPC, press X to talk, and a little pop-up window appears saying to the effect of uh, this content is currently not supported in demo build. So my very first experience with Anthem was literally the game telling me that they didn't put talking to NPCs into the demo. But it had a button prompt there to tell me to talk. Yeah, to so that's the confusing. That's the. Uh... It was just the funniest thing in the world to me, and, and just like I, it, it was so surreal, and I didn't understand like, h- how do you not have talking to NPCs in this thing that I'm playing? And so, that kind of just like set the tone for my experience with it, you know, going forward. And then I said I played it for like ten minutes or so, got in my robot, the game never stops loading and i gave up so the other crazy thing i saw not to just throw rocks at it but did you see that i guess some of the skins could cost 20 dollars i didn't see that i'm not surprised i guess but yeah that is um you know what you can get for 20 bucks these days what playstation classic playstation classic (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's been it's been i've had i have a thing where i keep sending um, Anthony photos whenever I see that the PlayStation Classic has dropped in price <laughs> even more. Uh, we're, we're, the lowest, yeah. legitimately, the lowest we've seen is what twenty five. I yeah, I think twenty five is the lowest. Because um, there was, I guess, and I checked, and it wasn't at my Walmart, but there was a Walmart at least one somewhere uh, selling them for twenty five. Wow. And oh, I should have checked. I was at Costco today, but I think Costco selling theirs for like twenty nine or something like that. Wow. Um, and there, there's somewhere in the Middle East where this shows you the value of the PS Classic. Uh, if you buy a PS4, you can either get a, f- a free DualShock 4 or a free PlayStation Classic. That's crazy. 
and most people are saying they would pick the DualShock Four. Yeah, it has, it has more use and value. Wow. Like I just, it's it's. I mean, you know, we've talked about this thing to death, and it's just so funny. Like, it's not funny. I mean, it's it's sad. You know, just how much thing is tanked because it, there was just not that effort put into it, and. I keep wondering, it's like, what's the price that I would see it at where I would buy it just to hack it? But, like, I would love to have that little PlayStation 1 that I can hack and, and, and make actually usable, but it's just, you know, I I busted out my PlayStation TV, aka Vita TV, and I just realized that, like, anything that system can get me, the PS TV gives me, except for the looking like a ps1 right it's sad it's sad but it's also funny it's sad but it's funny it's unbelievable how much that thing is tanked unbelievable and like like we said you know you'd think it was a horrible idea with it sitting on shelves not being able to sell but it wasn't a bad idea it's just the way it was executed and and i have to i mean like i really have to to wonder about i mean because there can't have been more than one shipment right like because I don't think so. Every no place, way. Every place I've gone to that I've seen him at, and I sent I sent one from home, and I think there was like twenty to thirty on the shelf. And when I sent Anthony the picture, I think there were two open holes where you could tell systems had been. And then recently, when I was at the Walmart, I think there was like maybe twelve to fifteen, and there there was like one or two open spots. And I'm really believing that that was the initial stock they had and that's how many they've sold period mm. and that if that's true that is crazy how bad mm. it's doing because I, I think i think the stock i mean you can tell that from the price drop but i think the stock really is just sitting there rotting on shelves that's crazy you think you snag one uh, 25 bucks impulse buy if you have the 25 bucks 25 no like if i see it for like 19 that's where i wonder <laughs> um i know i you know we haven't recorded in a couple months so i'll just kind of blaze through a couple things here did you um did you ever pick up the sega ages fantasy star on switch for eight bucks i i did i've not had time to play it very much but i tried it a little bit you know checking out like the the mapping system and everything is yeah easy. there's the mode for the uh double speed double xp auto mapping mode yeah i think that's like nice. when i go through i think i'm gonna do that you know cause i've just played so many times at this point like i won't feel like i'm really cheating so um it sounds like the double xp double speed stuff like really makes it a better experience like right. in this in this day and age uh, this is something I had written down. I haven't played it and I haven't downloaded it, but it looked gorgeous. And I think I don't think you reviewed it, but I think you said you would have liked to or would have if you'd known. Have you played Gris? Yeah, I love I love that game. Um, it's I mean it's one of those games where you can accuse it of not being a game and more of like an experience kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I was not the one to review it, but I did play it because it was at that point. It had come in so late that I wanted to have somebody else at EGM play it in terms of doing our um, game of the year voting, and I, I got I got through it pretty quick because um, I because I was enjoying it. It's completely gorgeous. It is fun to play. I mean, some people have said there's no game plan. It's not true, but it, you have to go in kind of understanding. It's not like a Mega Man or something like that. You know, right. it's, it's it is more of an experience, but there is still some gameplay. 
What do you think of uh, the recent Nintendo report for this uh, past year? Them selling 17 million Switches versus their original forecast of 20. Yeah, 20, 20 was high. Um, like, it's... Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Switch. I, I don't... You know, is it a case of it just needing to be a little bit cheaper at this point? Smash ended up doing crazy numbers, so it, it wasn't not having the software, but I I do think the problem was, in part, the fact that, like, Pokemon and Smash speak to a very distinct audience, and, and pretty big audiences both, but I think those are two of those kind of games where they're not necessarily... Um, as as catching as wide of a net as possible right you know like i'm trying to i'm trying to say like um you know if if there's there's the kind of the years on xbox where it's like it's the fours a year right and it's like okay fours is a really good game with a lot of fans but that's not gonna be the kind of game that's gonna bring everybody in you know a gears might do it a halo might do it but you know if you have these certain games where you know, it's just it's just like that's not the game that's gonna capture everybody's attention as as a Mario would or Zelda, as a Zelda, like Zelda would, Breath of the Wild, yeah. you know, things like that. And and so right. I, I'm curious to see how this year goes. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know if it was just them being a little bit over ambitious <clears throat> in terms of sales numbers. I mean, the, the Switch is still selling phenomenally. Yeah, absolutely, it's still a, a top seller. Do you think while they won't uh, confirm this, obviously, yet, nor should they, but do you think within the next year we will see a revised Switch possible handheld only? I know I've asked you this before. <coughs> yeah, I, the, the question is going to be, like, what is it? You know, and that's what I don't know how to predict yet because, you know, there's some pretty good mock-ups out there about a, a handheld only Switch. And I... Because the, the, the numbers came out recently for 3DS and it seems like it's it's tanking a lot more than Nintendo. It's hard because everybody assumed that 3DS was dead already. Mm. So I don't know there's a lot of assumptions, but then Nintendo came out and said, no, 3DS is still going to be alive. We're still going to be going on with it. It's still going to be around and getting games. But it seems like it kind of died after that quicker than you might have expected it to. So... Nintendo, I think, really needs like a lower-priced handheld, you know, because I think there is still a market for that, even though everybody thinks every kid is just now playing, you know, iPhones and stuff. Right. Um, <clears throat> but if you have a handheld-only Switch, does that also then kind of take away the appeal of the Switch? They created it. They created a tough spot for themselves. At the same time, I'm sure they really won't want to change it right now because the Switch has been so successful. But they've really created this conundrum themselves yeah and, and the problem too is is like you can't just so the first part is you can't just say make the switch smaller because which is what i would personally like but keep keep talking right like i would i i think the switch is too big as a handheld um you know like i think if you took the current physical shape and size of the switch if you if you made the base unit only as big as the actual screen itself is and then made the rest of it off of that, I think that would be the kind of better size for me. But mm-hmm. you, you can't make it smaller because you can't make the Joy-Con smaller without having to have two completely sets of, different sets of Joy-Cons out there. Boy. So, you know, the question then is, like, 
could you, and this is a crazy idea, could you make a clamshell system that still uses those Joy-Cons? Like, the problem, one of the problems, obviously, is the fact that, like, the sticks stick up far enough, you know, that it would be hard to, f- to fold a screen down against that. But, could, mm. so, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, could you make, could you make a, think of the 3DS, right? Yep. Could you make a 3DS-styled system where then you could attach and detach Joy-Cons from that? Like, right, you know, and ha- and you're saying to have the clamshell to just cover the screen is kind of like a protection. Well, I'm one thing is like is is if you use the current Joy-Cons, it wouldn't work because the analog sticks stick up too far. Yeah, yes. So you would have to make you could keep them the same size so they were compatible, but you would have to make new style of Joy-Cons that have the kind of right. lower profile like 3ds like slider pad things mm-hmm. which could be interesting so like do you do you go that route or do you make something that's all in one system where you then completely lose the ability to play multiplayer on one piece of hardware without any other controllers right you know like it, it's tough it's like it's like what what do they do because the Switch technically is their new handheld, but you do need a handheld, I think, that can be both more durable and cheaper at the same time. I'm actually very interested to see what they produce for a revision on it. And I'm not saying because I don't like the, you know, I, I'll say it for the millionth time, I think the Switch is their best entry since the GameCube. In terms of like the design and what it can do. Now that also doesn't mean it's my favorite of all time by any means, but it's I would say the Switch is probably my favorite Nintendo system ever. Like like console wise. I got I, I can't I gotta still go Super NES. I mean I mean but I mean I'm talking not library. I'm talking of like what the hardware gives me and what the experience is like. Because I've just that ability to go from I'm playing a handheld and now I'm playing it on TV, like I have really had it, you know, pounded home, like, how much I love that option. Uh, Do you know what I loved for a Nintendo product, excluding consoles? Hmm. The GBA SP. Yeah. The SP was fantastic. And I do love the DS, uh, 3DS family of systems. You know, for me, it would probably be SNES, GBA SP... DS, 3S, you know, rolled in there, and GameCube for some of the the titles that the, that it produced. But the act, but the GameCube controller, though, oh god, I think that thing is aged god awfully. It's 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 weird. Like I I Horrible. have this this weird like dislike of it. Um, and it's weird because at the time when I had the GameCube at the time, I actually thought it was a really good controller. Yeah, I, I think I, the, the problem is you realize like that that C stick, like it's it's. Not a good idea to have done it that way, you know. Right. You can appreciate what they were kind of trying to do, but because it literally was just like a a kind of camera stick, but in in not in the way we now think of a camera stick being. Right. You know, the, the constantly adjusting it kind of thing. Mm. But you, uh, for you personally though, you you put Switch your favorite Nintendo. I said, uh, I'm talking about in terms of like what what yeah, the hardware uh, gives. Yeah, me. I'm not grilling you over. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's I, I don't have any problem with that. Like that's I mean your... I mean my favorite Nintendo system ever is probably the DS. Like it just overall. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard for me to say I like the Switch better than the NES. But just thinking about what the system is and what it does is like before the Switch was announced, before we knew what it was going to be, my ultimate system was a portable that you could dock and have it be a home console like that Mm. was the ultimate idea in my mind so 
the Switch does exactly what I wanted it to do. The only thing I would disagree with it on, and I kind of, and I believe they've built it in a way that this can't happen, because you're talking about, there's talk out there of a Switch Pro, for example, and people saying they want a Switch Pro, and I, I kind of wish that the solution to that would have been making it in a way that you could buy a better dock. Oh, and, like what, to and juice a, it up? Yeah, and get a pro console that way. Like, I don't like the idea of there being a more powerful kind of base uh. unit. Because I don't want to leave people behind. Like, I want right. everybody out there to have the option to have a Switch Pro in an easier fashion. Right. So I kind of wish it, it was going to be the, you plug into a dock and then it gets even more powerful through the dock. You know, because I mean, th- there, there is more power now because it's having constant power versus battery power, obviously. But I mean, kind of a, you know, Genesis plugging into a Sega CD situation. Right. Where there could be an extra processor of some sort, you know, in, in, the, in the new dock that you buy that would then... I don't know if you want to say even like 4K your games or just <laughs> 1080p 60. Like, I mean, right? Like, there's people out there saying they want the Switch to be 1080p handheld wise, and that's complete overkill to me. You know, I don't want that. I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want the Switch to compete with the PlayStation and Xbox. I don't want that. I want it to be what it is, and I want it to be the system where. These smaller Japanese developers or smaller indie developers can can make games and not worry about competing with the biggest and the craziest AAA games out there. You know, so right. I don't need Switch to be super fantastical, but it would be nice. It would be nice to have a system where I could, you know, the, the one kind of thing we're seeing right now is that a lot of the games where they're 60 frames a second on consoles come to the Switch and it's now 30. And that's kind of the only time i really feel like you know the switch version is is getting the short end of the stick hmm. so it'd be nice to have a little more power for that you know but it's i don't care i don't at the end of the day last thing on the switch for you personally what's the next game you're looking forward to in the uh upcoming months you you're gonna pick up uh, yoshi <sighs> no oh i'm trying to think like what games i'm really looking forward to <laughs> i'll leave for to puzzle bobble 2 which finally came out need to get that i don't know that's a good question like i'm trying to think like what are the upcoming games i think pokemon is supposed to hit and pokemon supposed to hit this holiday season yeah the, the real pokemon yeah but the in terms of like major titles that we officially know about prior to that i think the only big one right now is yoshi um yeah the rumor going around is that nintendo has a bunch of games they haven't announced yet so you think they're going to have a direct soon? I don't know necessarily soon, but you know, kind of like over the course of the next few months, right? Um, start to release. I mean, start to reveal some of these big games, especially now that we don't have Metroid coming, which sucks. Oh yeah, they restarted that from scratch. I I, I have my stupidest wish. Like I'm the only person on the planet that's going to ask for this, and on the system that's dead. So, you know, I might have said this already. You know how the 3DS has been getting a little bit of hand-me-downs from whether it be the Wii or the GameCube and getting them tweaked for that console? Mm-hmm. I wish we'd get F-Zero GX on there. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it can handle it. They could even sp- spruce it up slightly. I wouldn't mind that being one of the uh, rehashes that we get on there. That's I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I think, really- you know, I, I, think I, I think at this point... 
Yeah, because Shin Megami Tensei, I don't think it's going to be uh, this year. Um, at this point, honestly, just 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 re-release everything. Just anything, you, everything you can do, everything and anything you can do, re-release. For what know? platform? Both for Switch or for yeah on Switch. I mean, yeah, obviously everything Wii U, but then even like GameCube stuff, Wii stuff, whatever. Just put it all in there. You know, I mean, I, I think, I think Switch is kind of this this point in time when people are really coming back to Nintendo and in, in their games and. Mm-hmm. Especially the Wii U stuff, like a lot of people missed all those games, and so just you know, give all these great games another chance to live in between, you know, the big new stuff coming out. Hmm. Because especially too, because you know, like the Wii had the problem of not being HD, so there's all of those games, Mario Galaxy and whatever else, that you know you can now make HD, and they have reason to exist again. Right. And GameCube, no reason to not bring anything that was good on that. Again, because, it, again, that was kind of a third RAN system for a lot of people. You know, you had people who had, okay, I have a PS2, and then I have an Xbox, and then I have a GameCube. <laughs> you know. So right. I, I think we've had enough Nintendo systems where people weren't necessarily around for those games, where you can just bring a ton of it back. You know what's funny, though? You know what's funny is, is on this topic, is I've been... Over the past couple of days, looking at my game library, and um, after the shock I went through over Christmas time of 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 my retro <laughs> of, collection, yeah, um, I've been going through my library and like, okay, how many of these games do I really want to keep, and like, how many do I want to really have around? And going through each platform I have, and like, okay, which games would I absolutely not get rid of? You know, which games might I sell? Whatever. And I got to my PS3 collection, and it was funny looking at how many of those games have PS4 re-releases. And I, I think, I don't know if we've ever had generation that had as many games be made redundant as we had for last generation. If I didn't say this to you, then I know I said it to Neil privately in recent years, and I said for the consoles this generation, and if you remember, especially at the start when they were learning the hardware... The analogy I made is that I felt gaming is now getting like the movie industry in terms of DVD to Blu-ray to 4K, meaning now gaming is almost like, hey, this was a popular movie or this served its purpose or this is like when this new format comes out or when this new system comes out, we will modify it and release it again. Right. That's what I felt. I felt that for the first time this generation. I feel it's now like buying movies at uh, excluding stream, you know, like when you go to Target, Walmart, or the new format comes out and they try to milk you again. I think that's the point we're at right now. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think, I mean, I'm I'm not saying I hate this fact, but it's part of it, I think, is just like, I feel like the Xbox 360 PS3 generation was one of those generations where there was so much games wanted to do, but the hardware just wasn't there to do it. Or not quite in some ways. Yeah, it depends. And, yeah. and so we, we get these games and re-release on the current gen, and it's like, okay, this is the game that we were supposed to have been playing originally. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the big ones for me on that was the original, not the, I'm sorry, not the original, but the 2013 original Tomb Raider where oh. I had first played it on PS3, and then go to PS4, and it's like, wow, this, it's 
at first your mind doesn't think that there's a that big of an upgrade, but when you actually see them side by side, it's huge, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was going through my library, and it's like Tomb Raider, DMC, Uncharted, Metro, Dragon's Dogma, Resident Evil Six, Resident Evil Revelations. Like game after game after game was just every like, single one of those literally has. It's been like oh, I've I've got yeah. all of these games. The Last yep. of Us, you know, I, it's like. I've got all these games now again on PS4 and you know, like I look at my PS2 collection and it's like, okay, there's all these games here that I would never want to get rid of because they were so unique to the PS2. Right. You know, you've got like a, um, I don't know, like a rule of Rose, you know, or now I'm spacing like SSX, for example, like all these different games, PS1, you could say, you know, the Mega Man legends games, uh, you know, uh, Bushido blade, Ball, like all this kind of stuff, but like PS3, I was, I was, and Xbox 360, I was sitting there and it's just like, like I don't know that there's that <laughs> many games that I feel like I need to keep around for this system, and it's, it's, it's a little sad, but it's also very interesting just how, mm-hmm. I don't want to say worthless, but to just how redundant so many of those games in that generation have now been made, and and so it's almost like outside of some wacky outlier niche stuff you know like on xbox 360 you have certain you know like shooters and things like that that like i mean in terms of cave stuff that came out or or this or that you know like outside of those is like do i even need to keep these systems around anymore whereas every other system in every generation i still have plenty of examples of why i would keep them no i'm with you and it's and this is crazy to say if you've I know you don't use the Xbox One much, but they have so much stuff on their backwards compatibility catalog yeah. now. Yeah. That I know it's it's insane as to what's sitting on my hard drive now. I mean Xbox One wise, I, I think like because I have like Donan Pachi on Xbox three sixty that I'd love to have that. Something Anarchy Reigns and there's like a couple other 360 games but if i literally had those then i would i could just throw the xbox 360 away because the (laughs) xbox one now can play all those games again right and play them better right hmm well what do you uh what do you have next on tap in terms of what's next on your plate to uh be playing uh i know you've gone through a lot lately uh you know recently reviewed what resident evil 2 yeah, uh, and, then I ju- you- and I just reviewed um, The Liar Princess and the Blind Prince um, from NES America on PS4 and Switch. Um, and then I think my next review, and <laughs> I, I say hesitantly, is um, probably going to be Jump Force. Oh, wow. Which... I don't know how much I'm looking forward to that. But. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. You know, Jump Force would be the type of thing I normally take a look at, but it was only a few months after Dragon Ball Fighter Z came out last year. And I think mentally, and I know it's two different things, but I yeah. was like, I was like, okay, I don't know how, like, I don't know why this is happening when we got, like, the most unbelievable looking Dragon Ball game of in history. Yeah. And then the most unique things that I own jump-related, you probably know what I'm going to say. I have both of the jump superstars and ultimate stars on Mm -hmm. DS from many years ago. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, at the time, that was kind of, ooh, that's kind of awesome. It was like 2D, 
brought all those characters together. It was sad it never came here in English. And I will admit, I've seen some screenshots and whatnot of uh, Jump Force, and it it looks really good. But does but it? I, c- I thought it looked good for what it was. Look, in a different way. For, like, Dragon Ball, like, is insane in terms of it looks better than the goddamn anime. Yeah. But Jump Force, I thought, for what it was, bringing all of the properties together in a 3D-type fighter, it didn't look bad. But is it, isn't it like a four-player type uh i I don't want to say arena type fighting game or am i way off base i I mean i i I think it's an arena kind of fighter yeah like i don't know about how many players it it's okay i'm sorry it's three on three tag team fighting game i guess real i didn't realize that yeah but Mm. i just like okay so i yeah because you mentioned the two games i think that kind of lessened this in the first one was dragon ball fighters these right um where we're just like, yeah, this is exactly how this is supposed to look. Like, I, I could never imagine this game looking better, right? Right. And then you have something like, weirdly, Smash come along, where it's just funny that in any other, I think, point in time, something like a Jump Force, not only Smash, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to go wider in this craziness. I'm going to say Smash and Avengers. Because in any other point in time, like, I think all these jump characters coming together in this kind of way would be a really big deal. Especially for us in the West because we didn't have those jump superstars games. Right. Yes. Um, But you have two of the just most gigantic nerd crossovers ever going on at the same time right now that it's, it's just, it's just hard to feel that excitement again for like a jump force, I think. Um, Well, and get this, I'll throw this curveball out there too. And while this is a few years old now, it's not recent. But from a visual perspective on PS3, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was phenomenal from that perspective at the time as well. So, you know, this incorporates some characters from that manga. And it's, you know, once again, the art style changes. And it's this one is going to come down to, even if this game isn't bad, you know, it could be a really good game. It's timing. The timing yeah, for this game is yeah. is the worst. It feels it feels really weird to me. Um, but I just don't like the the look of it. I don't know. Like this, it's just it's. Because how many people? I wonder how many people out there besides <clears throat> you and I do. Are there even many people out there that even remember Shonen Jump or like the? Yeah, because you know, it's it's still. I mean, because it's still like in digital form now, so it still exists out there. So I mean, yeah. I, I I think there is. It's just like. Shadow Jump was was this this big monthly monthly or weekly actually weekly uh, in the U.S. Um, it was monthly yeah in Japan weekly though uh, like manga manga anthology you know so they had very very different art styles like very unique you know styles to them um, a lot of these have been animes now and the animes had certain styles to them and just like this this looks to me. <laughs> it reminds me of like just like the cell phone kind of games where oh wow I don't I have to look at it again <clears throat> where wow. I mean just in, no just in terms of like they pick somebody to do the game like have you seen that awful Sega smartphone game is out there uh, my short answer is going to be no I haven't really followed a lot of smart uh, phone games lately which what Sega game is out there oh god what is it called Sega it's like a new property it's not based off a franchise a current franchise. It's um, it's 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 right here. Sega Heroes, and it's just it's just like 
it's it's like characters from Sega from like every single Sega franchise that exists out there. Um, But you know what? Here, I'm going to send. I know this is great for podcast wise because I'm sending um, Anthony a link to an image. But I want I want him to see this game if I can find a good image of it. Uh, But it's it's just like it takes all of Sega's characters and gives them this really weird, generic kind of art style. And that's just what I feel about uh, Jump Force. It's just like, none of this feels to me like Jump. You know, it doesn't feel like any of the art styles I'm used to from these series. Is. It doesn't feel like they're animes. It doesn't feel like there's any kind of, you know, 2D art in any way to this. It just Oh looks- my god, that's that's way worse than I expected. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I saw like Alice from Fantasy Star in this. In this in that's this, like, in this, uh, and it just makes me cry. That's like a rejected 80s style art mixing with a pop figure esque uh, style of of character design. Like I don't. I almost want to say chibi, but it's not really. Here's here's quite. here's the, and 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 just if you go on to Google for everybody listening to this and you look for Sega Heroes. Um, it'll come up, and you can see what we're talking about. But here's Alice from Fancy Star. This is the one that just breaks my heart completely. It's so it's so awful. It's so awful. But I mean, it's okay. It's obviously Jump Force isn't this bad, but it just Uh-oh. it just feels so generic to me. And and like I don't feel like any of the personalities, characters are really being captured in that art style for the game. And wow. it's just it's weird to me that they have just this really kind of like just dark, drab kind of look. To, to a game that should be so bright and colorful and artistically interesting. Oh. Wow. I don't know. Sega allowed that to happen. What, what? I mean, it's so weird because <clears throat> Sega's been so... Sega has done a lot of great... Uh, some great things in the last couple of years. And then some of that 2010s era Sega still creeps. Seems to creep its way back after... Do, you know, they do good, they do good, and then they do that you know what i mean let me ask you this as we wrap up uh, generic video game podcast episode 35 i was very worried about this movie at first and obviously you know i still haven't seen it but the reviews are looking good are you gonna give battle angel alita a shot no no what's what's it called oh (laughs) this is my first big problem with it what's it called It's, it's um alita battle angel yes that for anybody like old school like that <laughs> that name just like digs into your skin yes because it's like it's the exact same yes. words you just have it in the wrong <laughs> order uh, i don't know i i <clears throat> i just so i just i can't the eyes i can't get over the eyes really i can't get over i'm the so eyes. surprised that's such a bothersome thing I to many get over them. i i'm so surprised because you know usually something you would think I'd be like, oh my god, this is horrible. Am I nuts in thinking that I don't think it's such a bad thing due to the style of the manga? Am I? Am I? But I mean, so but here's I, the deal. Here's here, here's where I would have a problem or a bigger problem. If this was Akira and they did that to the, to the eyes with that art style, oh, I'd be like, this is so, this is <coughs> insanity. But if you look at the Alita character, 
I mean, and and I'm guessing here, this isn't what I've heard, I'm guessing to stress whether it be the emotion of the character or to exaggerate certain things or to draw... I, or I think what I heard it was to remind the viewer that it is not a human... Um, you know, it's a cyborg. I will tell you this. I was worried from the perspective of the first couple trailers I saw. I was like, oh, they're not showing enough or it's going to be garbage. A lot of the reviews I've been seeing so far, or specifically a couple from hardcore fans, they were like shockingly surprised. And and the movie could be fine. I don't know. But I guess this problem I have <clears throat> with this eye thing is that if if you don't know why... Japanese manga and anime have such big eyes. The idea, and you kind of hit on this, was that um, it was to help express emotion. Because in in drawings, when you start getting into these smaller, finer details, the detail of eyes could be lost, and so you wouldn't necessarily see the emotion that was being expressed by characters. And so that combined with just what the initial influences were, things like Mickey Mouse and and whatnot, anime grew into this this trend of having bigger eyes because it was ways for the artist to express emotion. And kind of part of my problem here is that she never... What was what, her name? Galley? Or was that the U.S. name that she had? Oh, shoot. You're putting me on the spot. Let's see. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Um. so any, anyway, because I don't think her name's straight up Lita. Uh... It's been it's been a long time since I've read this series, but because I, I the reason I'm saying in Galley is because I know we had a cat named Galley that was named after this 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 comic. But if you read yeah, the comic, Galley in the original Japanese yeah. version, yeah. So her having big eyes was not a point in the story. Her having big eyes was because that was the art style that's used. Other characters had big eyes as well. That's the way it worked. So like this wasn't a character character trait of hers. There was no reason to give her big eyes in the movie. And if you want to, to do that, then you have to give all characters those kind of eyes because that's the way it works. It's, I knew you were going to say that. It's a thing that was done to help express the emotion of the characters. And, and so it wasn't a singular character trait. And to give just one character in the movie these these just uncanny valley eyes, I don't know, it just it bothers me. And... It just like it. It just I can't watch any scenes with her in it and not just be staring at her eyes the entire time. I don't know. It it seemed like it just it. It seems to me like somebody who was like just found Japanese comics and they're like, oh my god, this stuff's so awesome! I'm gonna make a movie out of this. And like, oh yeah, look at the character on the cover. She has these big eyes. Let's give her big eyes, you know. And without understanding why that existed, and. That that wasn't supposed to be a character trait. It was just a tool used to express characters' emotions. You know, like she wasn't supposed to have these to differentiate her or anything. And and so it just it's it just seemed like something you do just to do it. Well, I'll know. say this, and this person's going to get a second mention on this show just coincidentally. But the first review of it I saw was by Happy Console Gamer Johnny Millennium, and mm-hmm. according to him, and he is a big. Uh, Battle Angel fan. So either he, unless he was drunk when he watched it, or uh, unless something was awry, while he went in very tentatively and uh, not you know not knowing fully what to expect or they're going to ruin it, he went as far as to say, according to him, that the Battle Angel, you know, the Alita Battle Angel Hollywood movie followed the source material pretty much to a T. 
Hmm. I, I mean, you can go look it up and watch it. Like I said, unless he was whacked out of his mind drunk. But I have seen other stuff pop up online, and it's been very positive as well. It's it's supposed to be supposed to be pretty good, at least for anime fans. I'm feeling so. I I don't know. It's just it's, I mean, it's, it's just you know what's funny to me is is that, and I don't know if you ever had this or not, but I remember a point when James Cameron's uh, too big want to do projects before even Spider Man. Oh yeah, came yeah, up, yes. Where Avatar, when we didn't know what the hell an Avatar was. Uh-huh. I mean, in terms of, like, what the movie was. Yeah. And Battle Angel Lita. I knew this from... I'm not trying to brag. I knew that from day one, and right? I thought this movie was long gone. But it was it was just funny because I remember... And I remember one of the things, the earlier things, was that Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be an Avatar. Oh, I didn't know that. And it sounded like just this utterly crazy... Just balls to the wall, outer space action adventure. You're thinking like, you know, like outer space Conan's what you're thinking, you know, and like, mm. oh my god, this is gonna be awesome. And then, oh my god, he mm. wants to do Battle Angel Alita. And it's just been funny that that for me, those two kind of legendary, supposed James Cameron's always working on this movie, like both have come out and. Avatar, I just thought was awful, and then Alita, I'm just like, I actually don't know if I wanted this after all. And like I said, I'll 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 watch it when it hits Netflix or whatever. But oh Molly, I'm not gonna go pay for this. <laughs> but do, it's, I have it's to just, s- do I have to send you a ticket? No, because if you're gonna send me a ticket, send me a ticket to Endgame. That's the one I want to go see. <laughs> I do have to send you a ticket. But it's just it's just that it's so funny that just like these two like dream projects from Cameron, right? Like they've they they've both come out and they've so, both just been mad to me and I, I and thinking about how my fantasies of what those two movies were going to be was just so much better than the reality. I will tell you this, and I'm being very honest, not joking. If I see that movie and it blows me away, and I'm going to be fair, <laughs> if that movie blows me away, and I'm like, I cannot believe this. I will tell you that you have got to go see it. All right. I will judge it fairly. If I feel, even if I think it's good, if I think it's not going to hit the benchmark that you're expecting, I mean, I'll straight up tell you, hey, don't waste your time. But if this thing is like, what I'm probably going to be judging it more on as well is not just the, you know, what it's based off of. I've heard the fight scenes are really good. And when it comes to fight scenes, I'm very picky. So, you know, if this thing really feels like a home run, and I'm going to be very honest about it. I will text you and tell you, hey, you know, whether it be for the visuals or w- whatever it is, I'll tell you, hey, you got to go see it. But if not, you know, oh, so I'll, I'll let you know probably in the next seven to ten days. All right. What what anime, if you had a wish, would be live action? None of them. No, come on. You gotta, you gotta no, I'm not kidding. No, I have a theory on this. Beca- no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not being an asshole. I I this is how I look at it. Anime was meant just for that form of art or expression in that anime can do things that weren't really meant for live action or even the manga and the manga is there for things that the movie can't convey so in my mind and i'll I'll try to change my answer here shortly to give you more of an an answer you're looking for if you said what Anime should go live action, and I mean this from the heart, not as like a hardcore or not as like a snob. None of them. None of them should go live action. The one that's going to make me kill myself and just quit the hobby is if Akira ever comes out. 
That's the one. And it's not even like because I'm the hard, most hardcore Akira fan. That, like, Akira is a... That has no business going live action. But my but my sincere answer is, like, what anime should go live action? I really don't think there is one. I will tell you, I was probably one of the few people on this planet, and while I didn't think it was great, I thought Ghost in the Shell got beat up too badly by critics. Yes, I haven't seen that yet. I didn't think it was... Because let me tell you, while I haven't seen every piece of Ghost in the Shell material out there, I did see most... I saw the standalone complexes. I saw the two Ghost in the Shell movies. Familiar with the manga. That movie actually brought in stuff from like standalone complex. Like stuff that was like more for the hardcore fan. I really felt that got a worse rap than it deserved. Now, am I telling you, hey, Molly, you should go out tomorrow, spend 20 bucks. You got to edit your collection. I'm not saying that either, but it wasn't dog shit. I thought that got beat up too badly. And and here's another bit of irony. I didn't think Scarlett Johansson was a bad pick either because I don't know if we talked about this. (coughs) Because there are many manga, not all, but there are much that are whitewashed. They felt like they felt it was doing wrong by not putting an Asian actress, and that told me right off the bat that these people aren't very familiar with with um, manga. I mean, that's that's the problem. Is is it's you get into a complicated and and look there there are situations like you have like a Dragon Ball, for example, where you know you can argue like these characters really should have been Japanese, but I, I think you do get to a point where everybody's just oh well, it's a Japanese manga, so obviously the characters are all Japanese, and that's not at all true I, I i don't remember the ghost in the shell lore enough to remember um what her heritage was if it was brought up at all or well, she was a cyborg and her name is technically motoko kusanagi so it, yeah. i will give you it is a japanese name but you look at the way she's drawn and whatnot at times it's not do you know you know what i'm saying yeah because i mean because there there are manga and anime that are very clearly based around Japan and Japanese situation, Japanese characters, and that makes total 100%. sense. Whitewashing them is, is bad, but there are, you know, certain characters where it's just, okay, just because they have a Japanese name doesn't mean they were intended to be a Japanese person. Right. Because there's plenty of Asians in our country that have completely white names, you right. know, that doesn't make them white. So it's, I think that people get kind of bent out of shape on that a little too much sometimes. Well, let me ask you this. I'll turn the tables. I really don't have a good answer in terms of like the only answer I have, and it's the reverse of what you asked me. The There was a time in my life, and I've changed my mind. I always wanted to see a futuristic, like a completely future-based version story-wise of the Terminator mm-hmm. done in high-end CG. Mm. But that I know that kind of took us down a different path. I always thought it would be interesting to see because you know you can understand like you know there's certain parts in that movie where they show the future scenes, right? And I'm like, well, if you took today's technology and you figure you can't, you know, Schwarzenegger's not getting any younger, and I know right. they're going to be doing different things with T6, so which which contradicts everything I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, if you took a really super high quality CG movie and just placed it all in the future with the machines, mm-hmm. that could work. Yeah, but for anime. I don't really have an answer. What would you say? So if if I was a movie creator, I, there's there's three anime I've always wanted to make into a live action movie. Um, I'd want to do Bubblegum Crisis. I think you could 
absolutely positively do that. You know, because especially with, like, when we see, you know, the Iron Man and stuff like that. Like, I think you could completely do that, and it would be really interesting. I would want to do Dirty Pair so badly. I so want Dirty Pair to exist. And I, I think if you do it a little campy and kind of, like, um, Thor Ragnarok slash Barbarella kind of, like, take it back to kind of the 70s idea of of sci-fi, you know, Flash Gordon. It's, I know that was the 80s, but I think you could do something really, really fun with that. And then I want not Peter Jackson doing it, but a Peter Jackson level, like, three, four, five movie long um, Nazca. Oh, wow. Live action. I think you could do all those. Like I said, I, I think you have to just, you have to be very careful about it, but I think you could, I think you could do them. I, I don't know why I say, I think the one that would get ruined the most, because, you know, I know what you're saying in good hands, I think Nausicaa would I be mean, Nausicaa to be a, a very, very hard thing to do, and you would have to have somebody, I think you'd have to have somebody, A, who really cares about the source material, and B, is just going to recreate the source material, for the most part. Like, don't get, don't get too creative on it. You know, don't don't put too much Hollywood into it. Like, because if the moment you kind of veer away and do make it Hollywood, I think it's ruined. But I think you have to have somebody. Again, I know this wouldn't happen, but you have to have somebody with a lot of money that could just make it a kind of a Lord of the Rings style. We're gonna just be totally nerdy and make this like the. I mean, and obviously, the probably the Lord of the Rings movies weren't exact to the books, but something that isn't afraid to kind of have those slow moments, those plotting moments, those you know just being overly respectful of the source material versus making something more exciting. But out of those three, I think Bubblegum Crisis, absolutely you could do it. And I think I think that could work in a live-action way that would be the easiest to translate into something that Hollywood could, could, could make. You know, I'm familiar with that series, but it's been so long. I don't know if they've reissued that. Have they put that on Blu-ray? Yeah, I, I got it. Well, I got it because it was a Kickstarter... Um, the guy, I'm forgetting Robert something or other. I'm forgetting his name. Basically, the guy who started Animago uh, is still doing Animago. Um, and he did a Kickstarter for Bubblegum Crisis to get it made. And then now I think you can just straight up buy it. I'm taking Blu-ray. a look right now. Yeah, because I, I, I got that and then I got a Takano video on Blu-ray through another of his So let me, this way, another swerve. And I know I promise we're going to wrap this up and I'll have to add this to my wish list. I sent you a couple weird links once again off, Jesus, off Happy Console Gamers channel. And no, he didn't pay us this episode. <laughs> but there's a gentleman and then he's... Big, con- the big Happy Console Gamer money. Jesus. There's a gentleman he's connected to. And the reason I bring this up is I guess he ran a big shop in the 90s for anime and was one of the few people translating stuff by hand. I, did you check that link out? It was an Asian gentleman that lives up in the BC or Vancouver, mm, BC area. I remember what the reason was. I ask you is because you were so uh, heavily involved in whether it be zines or reviewing anime at the time. And I'm saying to myself, you must have, whether it be through mail or letters or like, I'd be shocked if you didn't cross paths with this guy. Yeah, I have to remember like what his name was. Let me see here, really uh, quick as we close out here on gvgp so let me ask you this while we're filling up dead air did you go back and watch bubblegum crisis again uh, i i i haven't i need to i need to because I, I it's funny because i actually went back and watched it a couple of years before the blu-ray hit and so it's one of those i need to get around to 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 doing 
Um, but that was one of the ones, because, <clears throat> you know, I got into anime, um, and I've, I've told this before, I think, but, like, when I got into anime, it was the point where, like, legit copies didn't exist. You, you didn't just go to a right. store. You know, I mean, it, it was a small, small handful of, of things that were brought over. They, they weren't anime in terms of we had no term for what they were. They were just cartoons. You know, you're talking like Shogun Warriors, you're talking about... Robotech, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I remember that Bubblegum Crisis was on one of the tapes I got where, you know, people would literally just t- take a six-hour tape and fill it with a bunch of random stuff and send it to other people. <laughs> and so it happened to be one... That was how I found Dirty Pair as well, you know, was they were on there, and that's kind of like... And so I, when I initially watched it, it was just straight up in Japanese. I didn't understand Japanese. And... I didn't see it through all the way. So it's, it is interesting, like, for some of this stuff to go back later and then watch the whole thing and realize, that, like, wow, there was all this other story I didn't know even existed. Because I saw, you know, clips of it, or I saw pieces, or I saw an episode or two on a tape that somebody had ha- happened to send me. Well, let me, so, well, like I said, I've got to add that back to my wish list because I haven't seen it in so long. Uh, with that being said, to wrap up my earlier uh, question to you, so I have a couple names. I have his handle here, and I have his real name. So he was known as the godfather of anime in North America, William Chow, also known as the King of Smut 95. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think I've... I mean, I don't, I don't know him super well, but I, I've, I've known of him, yeah. Yeah, they did an interesting episode recently where they uh, Johnny Millennium went out to his house and his his laser disc and video game music slash anime CD collection was off the charts. Oof. Yeah, it's it's you know it's funny because um, and I should do it with Anthony is I recently scanned in a General Products catalog and General Products was kind of the company born it's it's was it gynax was there a gynax <laughs> yeah it's gynax basically but i mean i can't remember if it was exactly that gynax came from general products or if they're kind of born through the same thing or not but that was one of the earlier ways to get anime in, in america and there was like that and then there was nikaku animart which i remember getting catalogs from as well and i had scanned a general products catalog and it's on my twitter if you're interested but it's it's interesting looking back at the stuff and and just thinking about like how it was like you know people take <laughs> oh i know i'm with you for on such this. granted love- now because yes. you can just turn yes. on like netflix or hulu yep. or amazon prime or whatever and i have these you know videos streaming and if you want music you just go into itunes or you know apple music or, or spotify or whatever and it's on there and yeah i i mean i don't have a lot but i have my laser discs i have my anime cds I remember I spent, I think it was like 10 years <laughs> trying to track down the soundtrack <sighs> to the the movie for Zillion. For anybody who remembers Zillion, Zillion was an anime series that Sega then made two games based off of, and the Sega Master System Light Phaser was the gun from the Zillion anime. Yes. Uh, and the Zillion anime had... Opa Opa in it, which Opa Opa was Sega's mascot at the time, and Opa Opa is the character you play in Fantasy Zone. Um, so there was a, a movie, and again, it's something I had only in Japanese, 
And I spent like 10 years looking for that soundtrack. And that's the way it just worked in that era, you know? And and I remember buying like Oh My Goddess drama CDs. And I didn't know what the hell a drama wow. CD was, but I bought wow. it because it was something for Oh My Goddess and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it's funny to think about that. And there was like, I appreciate how easy it is to get stuff now. But there's also something kind of lost just because... I think there's a level of appreciation lost. Or yeah. Like, like, you know how it is. Like, I love looking at because we live through it. So, like, when you put those catalogs and stuff up, like, most people would be like, ooh, that's weird or it's like a relic. Right. But I love it because it takes me back to, like, like this is going to sound so dumb. First off, a catalog is a catalog. It's not even owning an anime or a product. Like, right. it's obviously trying to sell you, you know, those items. But, like, to me, it was exciting to even get a catalog like that. And when you got something like that, that was, like a couple months or every few months like that was a special thing to get or look at 50 times over i mean but now because it, it's, because it was a, it was a it was a window into what existed when you didn't know what existed yeah i especially mean that for, amount of content now stuff. online will last you look at it four seconds you know i mean i'm talking in today's you know it's it's unbelievable because it's funny because i was looking through that catalog you know and I was like, oh man, they have like dirty pair, these resin figures, and I, I'd love to get them. I didn't even know what these ones looked like, you know. And mm-hmm. and now thinking about it, like, you know, they just announced the the Mercy Figma for Overwatch. And I know in 30 seconds I can go to Ami Ami <laughs> and have it pre-ordered, right? You know? Right. But it's kind of like going back getting back to games, you know, remember like getting like EGM and Game Fan, part of the fun was the 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 big store spreads in the back sometimes and i'm sure you're guilty of this too would you sometimes look at that first yes before you even yeah looking at the the main issue yeah because not only would it show you games you didn't know existed but sometimes they would even if there was even a hint of a game coming to America, if there was a game that was announced or whatever, they'd put it on the list already and have prices for it. Mm-hmm. And you'd literally be like, wait a minute, what is this game? I've never heard of it. It's sitting here. It's listed. It has a price. You can you can buy it, supposedly. You can sell it. Like, what is this? And it was just, there was a fun aspect to, like, seeing a game in a catalog or in one of those, like, magazines or something and then learning it existed, and then learning what it was about, however you could, in little bits and pieces here and there, and then one day finally seeing it in some game store and buying it, and then just the joy of discovering what it was, you know, versus now we're like that exact same game, you can just hop online and download a ROM and you have it. Like, there's there's nothing, there's nothing to owning it now. And right. it's just like part of me kind of misses that era when there was that sense of discovery, you know, and and because you just couldn't have everything all at once, like the things that you did end up having, like had more value to them. Oh, it was like a treasure. Yeah, it was treasures. I mean, you'd look at those one or two little screenshots in the back for, for the equivalent combined of hours studying those shots and you know looking at it and what you can try and figure out or make of it. And yeah, it's uh, that has changed. But, like, you know, there are certain physical items, you know, if they're good enough or what you feel, you know, as an adult that you feel should be in your collection. You know, there there is, I do like having something tangible at times. I liked having tangible Super Nintendo games until I guess I sold them all at some <laughs> point. <sighs> well. I liked well, having Gunstar at- Heroes on my Genesis <laughs> until I sold it. 
Like oh, it, Fantasy Star. <laughs> well, you can get it for seven ninety nine now with auto mapping. But um, well, look, it was a pleasure to come back here for GVGP thirty five, our first recording of twenty nineteen. At least we got something in the can. Want to thank our listeners as always, as we seem to be coming back quarterly. But uh, hopefully, we'll come back sooner than that. Hopefully, for the next uh, month or so. It was. Wanna, it was less than three months. I mean, it, we didn't. We we're getting it wasn't there. A, yeah, yeah. Twenty. Uh, <laughs> 2018, yeah, so we're off to a better start than 2018. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so thank you, Molly, for taking the time, putting this together tonight, and uh, we will catch you sooner rather than later. Have a good one.